Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. Guys, the gang is back together. We've got all three of us on the podcast. It only took us five weeks for our third season doing this. We are getting progressively worse at this, guys, I'm sorry to say. How are you, Tad and Marco? Yeah, don't just your uh, your speakers. Uh, the, the three of us are back together and uh, progressively worse as the season goes along. I feel like uh, like we're like the AS Roma of podcasts. <laughs> well said for week five how are you marco yeah uh seriously we are the as roma of podcast right now it's four games in we're just getting warmed up <laughs> yeah, yeah we're all three of us show up in week five that's right we uh we're spending uh three nights at the training session in the training grounds together it's all coming together for this for this huge run all right well hopefully we get our uh act together hopefully roma does too uh, week five. Maybe we, Go ahead. Maybe we, maybe we, hopefully we also get a couple, a couple more fans coming out for the games. Yeah, yeah. Curvasuit is uh, not showing up. <laughs> Aside from uh, week five, guys, we'll certainly get into that. But uh, we got some international news, guys. Ronaldo just having a very bad, no good, awful week. Uh, did not win FIFA Player of the Year. Got tossed out of a Champions League game with a straight red and. Uh, cried about it so uh what do you guys think of ronaldo's week you know i I wouldn't say it was the worst week for him i mean his team still won yeah he was crying like a little baby Uh, but he did score the winning goal against uh frosinone so uh this is interesting i mean i love to see modric getting this award he carried his team uh into the world cup final um he is a midfielder that you know the type of midfielder that doesn't often get the accolades but absolutely is crucial for his team. I was surprised not to see Ronaldo get it, but if there's one player that should have gotten it this year that wasn't Ronaldo, I think Modric was uh, was definitely the next best option. I uh, tend to think that the only reason that Ronaldo didn't get this one is because him and Messi's trophy cases were too full, and they're just like, ah, I gotta spread that one out a little more. Even though I saw that Messi finished fifth today, um, which you know is is total insanity um i'm of the small but correct and growing vigilant group of people that think that that modric is overrated well, hot take yeah uh did hot pretty, take did pretty well in the world cup I, I don't think i'd mind having him on my team and i'm sure the interisti out there would love to have him on their team as well after all those transfer market rumors but yeah tough week for ronaldo except for uh, winning in the syria um but guys, let's face it, he's still Ronaldo. Couldn't have had that bad of a week waking up and still being Ronaldo. I'm surprised to see the tears, though. But I think going off on uh, Marco's thing last week that, you know, he's, he's the werewolf shows up when, when Champions League comes around because that's his full moon. You know, I'd, I'd like to see that he cared. And uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some Roma players cry these days. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> bring a little bit of passion into this. Yeah. So, uh I'm not going to throw shade. He looks still looked really pretty. Um, the only thing that I had to think though is that his orange makeup was running. So, yeah. Yes, we will take it from Roman Roma out there. If they would even cry, we would take it. 
I would say that uh, week five is on our uh, minds, guys. Why don't we get right to it? Kicking off with week five's rundown. Golden State's Juventus take it easy on Frozenone by only beating them 2-0. All Frozenone mothers are grateful down there in southern uh, Lazio. Napoli play another great game that has all their supporters wondering what the hell happened against Sampdoria. And speaking of Sampdoria, the fortress of Genoa is breached by Inter, who slowly but surely are contributing the rise in cardiac arrests in Milan. Meanwhile, Fiorentina are still super young and get sexier as they say to the rest of the Serie A. You see, it's not that hard. They have a 3-0 waxing on the Great Wallace ball. And then you have Gervinho, who has Parma going ham against Cagliari. And Milan doing their best to keep pace with Roma. And Roma, well, we just have problems. We're just going to leave it at that for that part. Well done, Tad. We want to remind everybody, we have social media. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, ASRoma360.com, CurveAmerica.com, wherever podcasts are found. Tad, once they find us, what would we like them to do? We'd appreciate a five-star review and comment. Uh, A good one would be like, hey, Tad, I really liked that Parma ham joke uh, pun that you wrote into the rundown. I was wondering if that's uh, where you were going with that. With Parma and ham, that's, uh, I got it. Well done. Golf clap for you, Tad. I'll take it. (laughs) All right, guys, that'll do it. Let's jump right into week five with the Champions League spots. Up first, we've got first place Juventus taking on Frozenone. Marco, you got this one, the 0-2 win in Juve's favor. Yep, and guess who it is getting that game-winning goal after Frozy no new friends, Frozy no goals, Frozy no wins. Man, they almost hold out here. They put out the frozy bus, and they just lock it down until Ronaldo gets a lucky bounce in the box and slams it home with his left foot. It's 100% Golden State Juventus. They are one of three teams left in Europe who are undefeated. And on the flip side, Frosinone, no goals and no points. Oh, man, it's heartbreaking, especially after the performance they put in here defensively. But you just kind of felt like... Juventus was going to get it, the breakthrough at some point. They are just that type of team. The wins are just piling up for Juventus. Uh, you know, uh, like like we said last week, it just doesn't feel like the Scudetto's a, a challenge this year. Uh, Napoli are only three points behind. But, uh, you know, the Frosinone, Juventus are, are so dominant this year so far that the only, you know, like, Frosinone's players are going to tell their kids about you know, the time they played Juventus and only lost 2-0. They don't even they don't even need 11 men to win a Champions League game. Yeah. Frozenone was this week's uh, uh, victim to Juventus moving forward. Um, how about Ronaldo himself, guys? Um, have we talked about him getting his third goal despite that bad, terrible week that we started off with uh, in the rundown? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. You know, you cry, you cry your eyes out. And then when you come out of a good cry, it feels like uh, clarity. You know, and so he comes back to the Frosinone game, and he uh, he plays well. He's got he he's taking shots and turning in the box and and hitting it. I mean, he really does look like he's in great form right now. Um, three goals in six matches is not too bad. Um, I'll say that. And uh, look, I'm even more impressed with the amount of chances he's been creating. Um, so look, I, it's 
the, him going like turning into Ronaldo, he was kind of rolling back the years the way he was crying and reacting to that red card. And then he goes and rolls back the year and uh, scores another goal, a game winner against Frosinone. It's Ronaldo. We're just used to it by now. Uh, and it still th- amazes me that a guy will break down like that, knowing that his kid is uh, in the fan, uh, up in the fan section, trying to copy his haircut, watching his every move. Doesn't matter. Still crying his eyes out. In the fan section, Marco? Is that what they call the the stands or the crowd now? Uh, Wherever wherever Pavel Nedved sits. Yeah, so apparently tears are just moisturizer to to Ronaldo, uh, uh, keeping himself young. Um, You know, the the story is so much better for Juventus now that he's, you know, scoring three league goals in this one. Um, And, you know, what we've seen, he's kind of the, the unstoppable force. Um, and they would most likely need to play the immovable object in the Great Wallace Ball, but there's a crack in that wall after this week. Um, you know, with with each one of these goals, the hype goes up. I mean, there's the tension of the uh, uh, of the red card, but you know, think about the nightmare would be if for five games in the season he hasn't scored. So it just looks like you know Juventus is really going to keep cashing in because he's you know he he's he, he is where wings have take dream uh, to quote George Bush. Um, and, you know, it's just soaring on this season, and a huge season is going to only mean huge returns for Juventus. Yeah, the last shout-out is to uh, feel the burn, Bernadeschi. I think this is the year that he really breaks out to the world. We saw what he could do at Fiorentina, uh, but now he's starting to take on players, and when he comes in, he makes a difference. Uh, you can actually see Juventus's like, play shift when Bernadeschi comes on the field. Uh, because he's he's taking chances, uh, he's attacking the defender, um, and he's really pushing the envelope. So look to Bernadeschi to be this year's big surprise player uh, to come through the ranks of Juventus and really make a statement. I'm sure Ronaldo is thrilled about that, someone else getting press other than himself. All right, let's keep rolling, guys. Our next game is Sessuolo taking on Empoli. And guys, you are right. We are still in the Champions League spots talking about Sassuolo. They finished 2-1 in this one, and they're still holding on to that Champions League spot in Week 5. They defeat 10-man, irrationally hated Empoli in this uh, Friday game. What do you guys think of this right off the bat? It's just Sassuolo in fourth place. How does that hit you? Well, for Kevin Prince Boateng, what a way to get into the weekend. I posted a picture of him on Instagram with his sonny's out, and he's smiling. He got a goal this week, and Sassuolo's rolling early here. I mean, they've really just relieved some of the stress over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, with, with uh, the attacking strength they have, they're moving. They're moving ahead. Triple uh, X Cinderella, they're that sexy uh, Cinderella team from three years ago, and they're, they're on their way up. Well, they're well or- they're well organized. They're playing with swagger. Uh, you know, De Francesco seems to have shaken off the spitting incident, adamant that there was no racial uh, motivations uh, that you know caused the altercation between him and Douglas Costa last week. Um, so at least there's one De Francesco that's uh, that's that's doing a good job um, out there in, in Italy this week. Um, you know, I mean, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm truly surprised that we're seeing Sassuolo, you know, this long in the top four. Uh, they've petered out in the past. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, 
Berardi's health being better uh, is a boon to the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ex- I'm, su- I'm excited to see this team, and I, I like the way that Deserbi has uh, uh, been coaching him. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the same Deserbi who was with Palermo, who was with Benevento, uh, s- seemingly racking up the accolades here for finding the right fit at Sassuolo, getting this uh, mid-table uh, team up here in the Champions League uh, spots, at least for the first few weeks. So uh, credit to them. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think you can blame Deserbi. Uh, I don't think he deserves um, any sort of shade being thrown at him for being an unsuccessful coach at Palermo or Benevento. Uh, Palermo, I think, has had 3,000 coaches um, yeah. in the last 26 minutes. Um, and that, you know, Benevento, they were just set up to fail uh, the second they got into Syria. We should uh, give Empoli a little credit too. I mean, despite the fact that they are the uh, the team that everybody likes to hate on, they actually had a pretty decent game here. They were showing themselves to be actually dangerous throughout the match, and uh, Sassuolo grinded this one out, uh, eventually winning by two goals. But Empoli actually showing some life. Every once in a while, they need to remind us that they're actually professionals and they don't go collect their paychecks um, from ownership wearing a ski mask and holding a gun. So uh, 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 it's it's fine that they were okay in this game. There's the irrational dislike of Empoli. We, we will figure out why by the end of the season, why we don't like them. But I had an interesting sub-story here for uh, Empoli guys. So they Sassuolo did beat them while they were 10 men down, and uh, there was an interesting substitution issue uh, during this one. So it's related to religion, but it's not blasphemy, believe it or not. Ishmael Benacer wasn't ready f- uh, to go on as a super sub uh, because he was apparently praying. And Coach Antriazzoli, uh was going to wash his hands. I didn't understand that part either. But he went to go wash his hands. And while he was doing that, noticed that um, uh, Ishmael was uh, praying and he didn't want to rush his super sub onto the game. He thought it was you know, a, a moment that the player needed. Um, even if uh, that substitution could have made a difference in the game. So it reminded me, guys, of the Hoosier scene where Gene Hackman, the coach, tells his pious player, Chet, God wants you on the floor. But apparently uh, uh, Andrea Zoli didn't take that approach. He just let it happen, and uh, his team was down uh, without a super sub for a few more minutes. But kind of the opposite of blasphemy this week, while Syria continues to take on this re- religious fervor in, in each of the weeks that we're covering it this season. Andrea Zoli is going to wash his hands in the middle of the game. Yeah. That's kind of the most surprising. Maybe he's just, you know, uh, kind of uh, low-key auditioning for the uh, the German national team job that he's just blowing his hands and wiping his butt uh, with his bare hands and, you know, wants to keep that hygiene up. Or it's more, more religious stuff with Andrea Zoli taking on some, like, I wash my hands of this with <laughs> with some biblical story or something. I don't know. Pontius, Pontius Andrea Zoli pilot. <laughs> exactly, yeah. From a, from a, a fellow sufferer of uh, OCD, you know, when the stakes get high and the pressure turns up, you just got to go wash your hands sometimes. I guess, yeah. Middle of a game. Um, at any rate. Uh, Change your underwear. <laughs> yeah. An interesting uh, little little side story there for Empoli. They ended up losing this game, and uh, we'll see. So Sassuolo continues to roll, holding on to that Champions League spot. We keep rolling on now to Spal versus Fiorentina. This one finished 3-0 with Fiorentina. This was the surprise game of the week. Go ahead, Tad. Yeah, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season if a Spal-Fiorentina game 
um, was going to be featuring two Europa League uh, contenders and Champions League contenders. Um, you know, in week five, I would have told you that you're Pazzo. Um, but here we are in this one, and it's, I think it's two great stories that we can get behind in the Serie A this, this year. The Great Wall of Spall, um, you know, this tiny uh, uh, town in, in southern Italy, that, uh, or a tiny club in southern Italy that, you know, by, God, by gosh, they're going to win the Italian way, and that's by being extremely well-organized in defense and, uh, you know, putting up a bunch of clean sheets. Then Fiorentina, Fiorentina State University. You know, this, this bunch of bunch of wily frat kids out there, you know, gashing the league and with tons of confidence, um, you know, uh, but La, La Viola and this one, they they smashed the Great Wallace ball with this 3-0 victory. And ironically, it's this back line of Spall or the, the defensive Spall, their wall that betrays them, um, you know, after, after having only conceded one goal the entirety of the season before, they get up two in the first 10 minutes and it's their own dang fault. Um, you get errors by left back Mohamed Fared and uh, the goalkeeper Gomez that just Fiorentina up and they never looked back. Um, but uh, but the third one to me is the most interesting one, and that's Chiesa's goal. Federico Chiesa, rich faced in the church, the sophomore, um, and celebrates by running over and hugging his younger brother and ball boy Lorenzo. Which to anybody that's uh, part of the Fiorentina faithful. Um, is something that Enrico Chiesa, Federico or Lorenzo's father, used to do to Federico when uh, he was a bo- when he was a ball boy as well. So just kind of this, how charming is this Fiorentina team right now? I mean, we got le- we we got generations of, of Fiorentina players hugging each other after scoring goals, and of course, this being Italy, the most uh, Italian thing ever is they ask Mama. Mama Chiesa, Francesca. So for those of you that are counting, it's Enrico, Federico, Lorenzo, and Francesca. So welcome to Italy. <laughs> we've, covered, we've covered four of the ten names. Um, and, you know, she gives a very uh, uh, emotional response about how life's patterns are crossing over with each other. And it's just, it's just it sits back and you go, you know what? Maybe they won't sell Federico Chiesa to Juventus. And he'll play at Fiorentina forever because how can you not fall in love with this? Yeah, that is uh, definitely the part of the narrative on the, uh, the the Chiesa story with the family there. Gotta love the passing of the torch. Um, I have to correct you, Tad, because you know I love to spall Northern Italy, bro. Ah. Another Emilia Romagna uh, place, another city in Emilia Romagna. Just goes to show uh, that is the food capital. Apparently, it's the soccer capital of yeah. Italy as well. In a, an enormous amount of derbies that we find out, oh, that's another derby each week. <laughs> Join Marco on our Thursday podcast where we discuss the geography of Italy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Up next, we've got Napoli and Torino. This one finished 3-1. On the Feast of San Gennaro, guys, that's going up in New York City and, of course, down in Naples. Napoli pulls out the victory here. 3-1. Marco, you got this game. Go ahead. And if it's Napoli winning, you know it's one person who is striking. It's Insigne, the Prince of Naples, the King of the Ant Army. Uh, Two scrappy rebound goals this time around. But I'll tell you, uh, as Insigne goes, so does Napoli. He loves the city. I love seeing another standard bear uh, uh, in the city uh, of a a squad like Naples. Uh, And with signing uh, with Rayola, this guy, I mean, I think he could go anywhere. Uh, I'd be really curious to see if he ends up staying in Naples his whole career and just being a legend like that. Uh, I doubt it. 
for some reason. He's got to be able to pay those commissions, and Raiola is not going to be uh, keen on accepting um, uh, Napoli money for the rest of his days unless there's a huge influx of cash going in there. So that, to me, makes me think that you know there is some sort of like Lorenzo level with me. <laughs> yeah. Do, can we go get that Barcelona money or get some of that EPL money? Because it wasn't too long ago that uh, basically every year Insigne was being rumored to be sold to Liverpool. So who knows? A shudder just went down the spine of all Napoli, Napoli fans uh, abound. There you go, Atsuri fan Phil. There's some shade thrown at you. Who uh, was over in Italy. I'm enjoying him on Instagram, uh, seeing a lot of the big cities and uh... – also saw the Fiesta San Gennaro over Naples through his Instagram account. So, pretty cool. Yeah, this guy's doing the Tour d'Italia over here. That's right. Um, I hey, just uh, had he didn't ask me about uh, restaurant recommendations in Rome because uh, I'd have to send him the, the, the Bible document that I always have to send people anytime they go. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's in the notes. It's in the notes of the, of the iPhone here. Um, we have a, uh, a spotting of a potential... A child of Mertens and Insigne, uh, and that is Verdi, who just happens to be the Italian version of Mertens and the same size as both of them. Another member of the Ant Army. He's out here scoring goals. He was incredible at Bologna last year, and now, you know, he's turning up for Napoli. This is what we wanted to see. Uh, we've been excited about Verdi. Uh, anytime an Italian player uh, starts scoring goals, and especially on one of the top teams in Italy, uh, you just get a little bit excited, and hopefully he can uh, convert that into some action on the field uh, with the with the Azzurri. But maybe that's thinking a little too far ahead. We're already past the international break, thank God. Uh, I'm just excited to see Verdi uh, because last season I still remember him scoring two free kicks, uh, one with each foot. Uh, I thought that that was incredible. And so a bright future for uh, for Verdi on Napoli. And here we go, another member of the Ant Army. I really enjoy Verdi's uh, Instagram account where he posts pictures of like him hauling away a grape on his back from a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> all right so there you go Napoli rounds it off uh, those are our top four spots for the Champions League we're going to take a quick break and then jump into Europa all right right back into it guys we've got Sampdoria and Inter this one finished one nothing in Inter's favor the big story on this one was VAR because they decided the battle between these two teams we're now tied with seven points each on the table. He had three goals disallowed in this one with VAR. And the final knockout punch came from Brozovic. He got the one that counted late in this game. For me, it was a better prize fight than Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez from last weekend. And then the other big story, guys, is Spalletti, who is a, a, a podcast favorite, a podcast paisano. We love him. But he gets sent off after celebrating the goal for excessive goal celebration and uh, said after the game in his press conference that Inter this season, living on the edge. So quoting Aerosmith songs out here for his press conferences. And that is the story of Inter, guys. Uh, they just they don't have it down, and they're only with seven points in five weeks. Uh, that, that's pretty uh, not what we were expecting from them this uh, season. I think that uh, after another 1-0 late winter game, this and the Tottenham game midweek, he should probably be quoting Sweet Emotion. Uh, <laughs> how the Inter fans are feeling. 
guys, what do you think of uh, of the the three? I want to jump back a little bit. What do you think of the three goals disallowed by VAR with this one? Like, what what a crazy! That's a huge contribution to this game. Yeah, definitely a deciding factor in it. And uh, I, I continue to be a believer in technology, and I'm happy that uh, Italy has embraced it um, compared to other leagues that, that don't have it yet. I think it's good that, um, you know, two evenly matched teams, but uh, the right goals uh, counted, and the ones that uh, shouldn't have been counted weren't. So I think that's good for the league and good for competition. Yeah, I just still find it ironic that, you know, arguably the most backward league in <laughs> uh, in Europe is the one at the forefront of this whole VAR thing. And, uh, you know, it's no wonder that they started charging people uh, for for blasphemy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's it's, the it, 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 it's the long con. It's all to cover up uh, uh, collecting that fine money uh, for <laughs> dropping the occasional <laughs> pork god. Exactly. The whole point of VAR in Italy is so we can bring the blasphemy laws back. That's really what this is about. It's it's surreptitiously being run by the Vatican. Um, <laughs> oh, but Spalletti, I mean, like, dude, excessive goal celebration for for, for towing over the line. I mean, dude, you 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 take that ban with pride. You know, I I, I would have dropped in. Uh, I would have dropped in the the uh, degeneration X suck it on that one too, and just be like, ah, whatever. You know uh, that. That's that's this me overly celebrating and going over the touchline because we just we just won the last minute for the second time in one week after kind of a disappointing previous few weeks. I, I, I'm I'm serving my time with a smile on my face. Yep, no, I agree. And get get your money's worth, absolutely, in that situation. So Spalletti gets knocked off. Um, he should he should turn up to the next game sitting in the sands dressed as Zorro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does barely needs a mask for that with his, with his look. Absolutely. On the other side, guys, quickly, Giampaolo for uh, Sampdoria, their mister, uh, felt that they deserved the point. He's tossing it out there. I'm curious what you guys think about this. With Sampdoria on, on the same uh, point total as uh, historic uh, Giants Inter, what do you guys think? Is Sampdoria on the level this season with uh, Inter, who we thought was going to be contenders for the Scudetto? Hell no. <laughs> or should I say heck no. The... Uh... Look, Sampdoria, they got some quality players. I like Quags. Uh, my boy Cat Quags is, uh, has been sh- turning up, had that wild backheel goal that if that doesn't win the Puskas Award next year, I'll tell you what, somebody better score a bicycle kick from half field yeah. uh, because the uh, the jury's out and uh, all of Roma Club voted for the Quags goal on top of the Ibra's 500th goal. So, again, they have some they got a squad over there, but uh you know, especially with Defrel ex Roma player of the week every single week, uh I think that they uh, are definitely not on the level of Inter and Inter just needs to start clicking, man. They just beat Tot- Tottenham and Tottenham is uh a very good side. So, they got to be looking up uh it, the, the future is definitely positive uh for Inter here. I don't know. The only thing VAR got right this past week, uh, uh, 100%, without without equivocation in the entire league this past week, was disallowing DeFrell's goal because I just don't know my mental health if I have to, uh, you know, wake up on a Monday morning and have realized that Roma have five points in five games, losing to Bologna, and DeFrell has five goals and is the Capo Cannonieri for two weeks in a row. I just That's just not a reality I can live in. But no, I second it, Marco. 
they have some they have some nice talent. Um, you know, Dennis Prayett has been injured for most of the year, and you know, once they get him going, they'll be uh, a solid contender. So I, I wouldn't be too adverse uh, to them. You know, making it saying that they could possibly be a Europa spot team, but you know, Champions League, then no, no way, Jose. They don't have enough depth. All right. Well, Sampdoria continue to be uh, pretty good up there, up in the city of Genoa. We'll move on now to uh, the next game: Parma versus Cagliari. This one finished two nothing in Parma's favor. Tad, go ahead. Yeah, we got Team Pasta Cheese taking on the Iron Island in Cagliari. Um, and Calgary in this one, you know, getting beat 2-0, basically play like a bowl of rigatoni because Team Pasta Cheese is all over them in this one. And the whole story for uh, Parma in this one is the Jerv, baby, Gervinho, the man whose hairline makes one believe any genetic abnormality is possible. Um, <laughs> you, could, you could basically tell me that there's a unicorn boy with a horn growing out of the middle of his head, and I'd be like, Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if you've seen Gervinho's hairline, anything is possible. Um, you know, and this is two goals in three games for the Jerv. Uh, we know him well. I think he's uh, ex-Roma player of the week. This week he scores probably the second best goal of the year behind the Quags back heel. I'd even rate it above Javier Pastore's back heel. And it's so Gervinho. You know, he goes the entire length of the field, not passing it, and then blasts a rocket. Um, that, uh, uh, you know, he, he can only hit one out of a hundred times, but the dudes, the dudes love in Parma and I've been to Parma and it is a great place, uh, uh, to be. There's another hot take for everybody. Um, and you know, they're getting the jerv going. Remember they have Bobby English. He scores the second one in this one that, that seals it. And Bobby English, who, uh, you know, spent those three seconds at, uh, uh, Napoli before getting shipped away to Parma. You know, that's a strike force like Sampdoria with, uh, you know, the unusual pairing strike force, the, the misfit strike force like you have in Sampdoria with, with Quags and DeFrel. This is another unusual strike force to look out for. Yeah, and look. Mark, you uh, were saying uh, how he described the goal. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, how did Gervinho describe uh, his goals? What did he say? Speed, fantasy, and <laughs> instinct. It's like, yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean that's the... that that that's uh, that's the advertisement for his new cologne, the Jerv. Um, <laughs> but like fantasy, I mean, wh- why didn't he just like? He, he, is this a, is this like a, a, a brick from Anchorman thing? It's like, hey, just describe your goals. Uh, speed, I honestly lamp and instinct. You know, look. Speaking of the Jerv, uh, just yet another player on the ex Roma starting eleven, guys. Don't forget. We're talking about the Frel. Yeah, he had a goal uh, taken back from uh, from VAR this week. But uh, there's a couple other players out there that are pushing the envelope to be the best ex-Roma player uh, of the week. Jerv Skorupski we'll talk about in a little bit. But what a goal. I mean, if he was playing on Roma, that ball would have not hit the inside of the post. It would have probably gone outside the stadium. It, it, so it, he, he would have to describe it as speed, nightmare, and instinct. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but this one, guys, the uh, the all red calorie unis, man, those things are straight fire. I mean, they got killed in this one, um, but you know they rock those things. And to keep with the Iron Islands, what is dead may never die. Yeah, I didn't see these, but uh, I'm curious now. Of uh, even red socks, baby. Yeah, just red all, tops, red all... shorts, red socks, red shoes, and no no blue in it for uh, like every other uniform in Italy. Uh, half half blue, half red. Uh, just no, completely it... red. It, yeah, completely. It looked like they should have been playing the Crips. 
in this one. <laughs> interesting, interesting. We'll have to look out for that. Another uni watch there uh, uh, for the Serie A. Curious about those uniforms. But uh, all right, so Parma took this one, two nothing. We'll keep rolling, guys. Genoa to OTFR. This one finished four one. Marco, take it away. Yeah, OTFR racking in the goals. Chiro the hero, he's back. And OTFR trying to be the only team from Rome to have a chance in making a, a oh, European man. spot this year. I know, throwing so it. much, throwing so much shade, man. But I think it's the the kind of kind of week where uh, Roma deserves deserves it a little bit. You know what I mean? Even from a, a faithful fan, uh, OTFR. I mean, they've been playing pretty well this season. And again, Chiro the hero, he's back to his old scoring ways. I think it's he's one of the few players that has two or three seasons with 20-plus goals, so it's not a fluke. I mean, this guy disappeared a little bit at Sevilla, but he's just been racking them in, uh, especially with OTFR. And, uh, you know, had it not been for Piatek, the Polish pistolero, who's, gonna, who's on his way to the golden boot this year, uh, OTFR almost got the poker against the Genoa squad that uh, was not looking like themselves, uh, especially the way they've been playing this season. Yeah, OTFR doing uh, what the the real team from Rome can't, and that's take out the Serie A trash. Uh, they had the two tough losses to start the season to Napoli and Juventus, and then, then since then they've managed to beat the likes of the Frosi no goals, um, Empoli, the most hated team in the universe, and now Genoa, who's a team that's uh, I mean hates outside of Piazza, uh, uh, the Polish Pistolero. They're they're in real trouble. Talking about the fire in their coach too. All right. Speaking of the speaking of the Polish Pistolero. 1.25 goals per game in Serie A over the span of four matches. I mean, move over, Ronnie from the shore. The Polish Pistoleros here, uh, and he's here to stay. Hope, I yeah. hope he enjoys playing on PSG next year in Monaco. <laughs> right. All right, guys. That does it for uh, that section of the pod. We're going to uh, go down to the relegation zone. And even though the we're. Danger zone. The danger zone. Even though we are Romanisti, it seemed appropriate this week to put our beloved Roma down here in the relegation zone. Roma versus Bologna, 2-0 in Bologna's favor, with an anemic Roma making previously winless and goalless in Week 5. Bologna look like Scudetto contenders. Guys, I'm just going to kind of open it up, uh, pour your hearts out. As Roma fans right now, how do you two feel emotionally did you feel? How did you feel during this game, and then how did you feel emotionally after it? Go ahead. I could tell you what, Chris. I didn't feel good. Okay, thanks for asking. Well, no. All right. So I said, Oma. I mean, they just just been so weak this entire season. Um, you know, I just there was like when we were playing Real Madrid this week, I had absolutely zero expectations for even a point. So, I mean, it just goes to show, like, I am I am hopelessly optimistic when it comes to Roma. And coming into this game, I just knew, I knew something was going to happen uh, and not good because Bologna hadn't scored a goal yet, and that was just perfectly setting it up for Roma to just disappoint just a little. They couldn't disappoint a little bit more. Um, Skorupski, I mean, what the hell is going on with our fantasy league? Yeah, let me let me get on my tangent here. I am just almost dead last in both of our leagues, and I had like players this week doing well. Skorupski with nine saves, and like you know, 
growing growing limbs out of different areas of his body to make certain saves against Roma. I got four points from him or something like that. I mean, we got to change the rules a little bit here because if I'm going to suffer like this with Roma and Skorupski, ex-player of the week, ex-Roma player of the week, I need to at least be climbing the table in our fantasy league. So I'm very angry right now. You know, I, I start to feel myself becoming like Dennis Quaid, uh, the disgruntled fan in Major League Two, where like, you know, this whole season, like, eh, they're kind of lying in the weeds, lying in the weeds, they'll turn it around. And then that second Bologna goal, it was like when he caught the, the wild thing home run ball in the movie. I've completely lost it and went, you know, full Roma pessimism. Um, but to me, you know, there are, there are three areas of, of blame um, that, uh, uh, that everyone's kind of talking about, and it's Monchi with kind of the perceived gutting of the team, you know, getting younger, losing Strootman late. Uh, and then there's EDF, who there's talks about him. He's coaching for his job now with Frosinone and OTFR. And then there's the players themselves who, you know, I mean, at, just looked gutless um, for huge chunks of this game. Um, I'm curious to you guys as to, you know, where are you laying the blame of this awful start at? Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm a fan of uh, Munchie Moneyball, as I'm calling it, that if we're going to sell players off, that makes sense. I get it. But I feel like bringing in so many new players like we did in uh, this transfer market window and selling so many backbone players of our team, it, it, when you take a step back, this all is obvious. Like you, We can't have Brian Cristante act as you know a huge part of our passion and... and uh, uh, loves the shirt like that's just too much to ask for a new player so i think you do have to put it on uh, management um i understand they're they're in it to try to make money I, I don't really fault them for that to be honest but uh um you gotta have a team that competes and and uh people who will who will fight for the shirt uh i think uh, management missed that in uh, the transfer market oh man uh, dude are you kidding me like this is the number one thing I just absolutely hate about uh, soccer fans in general is when you start blaming the coach, you start blaming management. Uh, look, Bologna did not score one goal this entire season so far. They are playing so bad. We have a countdown clock on Inzaghi to be able to play his brother in, in December. We don't think he's going to get there. I mean, Bologna is so bad. And Roma, a team who's in Champions League playing Real Madrid just just like three days earlier, comes in and and, and doesn't even look like it should be the best team. I mean, let, let's be real here. At a certain point, Roma should be able to put on their B team and at least get a result, uh, at least a point against a Bologna team that was just trash uh, so far in the season. Maybe this is their big turnaround, but look... Roma, it's the players. They have to. They have to take the responsibility. Uh, who was it in the second half? It wasn't. Was it Pellegrini or Kolarov that gave the ball away for that second goal? And I just saw them just slowly walking back, uh, or not, or just slowly jogging back, not even hustling home. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that. What What are you supposed to do? Uh, you know, as the coach, I mean, you're supposed to give him some like uh, smelling salts before he goes into the onto the field. Um, I don't know. You gotta war. You gotta like loosen him up, massage his legs, make sure that he's ready to go. 
uh, it's just unacceptable from the players. You got to have some pride and you got to be professional and take the results home against the teams that you need to be beating. Yeah, I do find it somewhat ironic that in uh, EDF, who I think carries, I mean, you know, he's the coach, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna hail him when they when they win, and they're gonna blame him when they when blame him when they lose. It is kind of ironic to me that I think he bears like the third most out of those three groups amount of responsibility for this, and I think he's probably gonna be the first one to be sacrificed. That being said, it seems like our game plan is. Um, either try and cross it in the box to Jekko, uh, who for a header who's never headed a goal in his life, or having you know like Jengis or Under or uh, uh, El Sharawi or Peroti try and cut in and kick it in from outside the box, only to have it blocked into a counterattack where you have you know th- two center backs completely out of position, sprinting desperately for their lives you know, trying to chase down some striker you've never heard of before. Um, But I totally agree with you that the players, I mean, they just, they have to, uh, uh, I mean, they have to suck it up. I mean, outside of DeRossi and Florenzi, there's just so much of this team that just lacks fire. And I think that, uh, I think it was Pellegrini who jogged back after, you know, passing the ball away. Like I would bench him for weeks for that. I mean, you have to make an example of him if you're still going to be the coach. But to me, my fear in this whole thing is Monchi. And, like, I understand. I agree with you, Chris. I understand they had to sell Salah and Allison, supposedly. You know, what a case could be made for Nangalon. He doesn't fit the scheme, uh, even though it, uh, 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 you know, he doesn't fit, fit the 4 3 scheme. Um, Strootman, I mean, I think we all agree that that sale was way too late uh, for the season to start. But... The deal was such where you looked at it and you're like, okay, maybe we have to sell him at that price. Like everybody has their price. You know, we'll sacrifice him for that. But my fear is, is that, you know, we have this Monchi Moneyball thing and, and which one of these players that he signed has actually like had a huge impact on the team? Kolarov? We, I mean, we got, we got Kolarov for like five bucks. We didn't have to sell any of those players to get him. And then, but there's just too many DeFrells and Sheiks uh, that you know, we Javier Pastore. I mean, geez, the guy we spent—he's he was the trade for Nangalon, and you know, he comes in and just stunk up the place. Has not unlocked defenses like we thought. Has not brought an elegance to the team like we thought. Uh, my fear is that you know, Monchi might have this like great strategy, but he's just not any good at it. I've uh, clearly opened up a wound for the Romanisti on this podcast, uh, so I'm just going to sum it up with this. For me, guys, Roma is like Fredo in Godfather 2. We're all still family. We love each other, but one of us is inevitably going to kill each other here, and I think Roma could just break our hearts entirely, and uh, um, we'll leave it at that, that it's, uh, it's heartbreaking to watch Roma in week five. Don't see many highlights, especially going into the Derby. Like, I'm I'm excited for the Derby because it's the Derby, but I certainly don't feel good about the Derby. We're, we're not in a good place with a big game coming up. On the other side of the ball, guys, we've got the Inzaghi Derby. It's still alive because Roma made him look like a genius in this one. Um, I don't know. Marco, do you got the countdown down? Uh, what? How many more weeks we got for this one? What, we were we at 13 last time? No, 12. All right. yeah, um, it's, it's December 26th, the day after Christmas. Right. Yeah, so, you know, not a lot of confidence here. I mean, honestly, they just need to play a couple more Romas, and uh, maybe he will be in good shape. 
So we have it at 10% now. Does this, what is this, a big defeat on the road to Roma? He dedicates to the curva. Uh, the fans haven't been calling for his head. It seems like we're behind him. What, what are we raising the, uh, uh, the Inzaghi Bowl percentage to? I'm putting it at 20. 20% after uh, the confidence of defeating Roma so badly. Yeah, uh, I'll say 25%. That sounds good. But if they get another win, then he's in good shape. Yeah, Christmas is coming. <laughs> 20 to 25% for the Zaggy Bowl. You guys heard it here first. All right, guys. So, Roma, we'll see what they can do. Uh, it's been a tough opening season for us. The ninth game of week five, we've got Udinese and Chievo. This one finished 2 nothing in Udinese's favor. Tad, you got this one? Go ahead. Honestly, who cares? <laughs> after, <laughs> after that Roma stuff, yeah. I, I just feel terrible. Uh, no, Udinese catch the geriatric donkeys going to bed early in this one. They get two goals real late to take the three points. Uh, Sorrentino falling asleep on this one. I believe there are pictures surfacing of him drinking a warm glass of, of milk at halftime to, uh, uh, to precede his bedtime ritual. Um, I believe in the postgame press conference, uh, he looked like my grandpa with a, with a, with a wool blanket on his lap. Uh, just to point out that this team is old. But the big story in this one, guys, is Rodrigo DePaul, the little zebras, Ronaldo. And don't you just love how Ronaldo comes into the league and every single thing that anybody does is going to be compared to him. But, guys, he has four goals in the season so far. And the 24-year-old Argentinian, Argentine, do you get, what, what is, what, is it Argentinian or is it Argentine? I, I can never can I quite tell. Should I, ask, should I ask Paolo from Roma Club? Ask Paolo, but I've looked this thing up, and uh, you know, still no result. I think yeah, it's Argent. It depends what side of the Atlantic you're on. We're uh, Argentinians, I'm pretty sure is what we say. We say Argentinians, and the Brits say Argentines. Yeah, it's like it's like Manolas Manolas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but four goals after five games, guys. Um, and you know, the 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 Udinese are a top ten team. He's now matched his. Scoring output from last year, uh, he had four goals last year, but in 37 appearances. I mean, guys, come on. Week five, Rodrigo DePaul. I've called him the Little Zebras Ronaldo. He has four goals. Is he the best player in the Serie A? <laughs> Only after Piatic. We are just Karupski. Every, everything we can not to give it to Cristiano after all the hype from this summer. <laughs> well, I'm going to put him on the Fanta Calcio top 10 players to watch list. So now we're doing uh, Fantasy Calcio gambling advice. I'm writing uh, but, this down. <laughs> an impressive start uh, for Rodrigo DePaul. But my favorite thing about this game, guys, is lasagna is back on the menu. Kevin Lasagna comes on as a super sub and opens up his account. The uh, the dream stealer against the geriatric donkeys. He catches uh, he catches uh, Sorrentino in his uh, in his nod. Um, and and gets a goal in this one, and uh, just just I'm just so happy to be able to say Lasagna's back on the menu. And I'm going to point out the second goal of the Udinese Kievo game. So there we go for the ninth game. Let's finish up strong, guys. We've got a big one finishing off this week: Milan and Atalanta. This one finished two-two. Marco, you got this game. And what a match it was, man. We usually end on a uh, on a soft note here, but Milan Atalanta. What a game. Uh, and Milan starts off with uh, Fatboy G himself. He's got three goals in three games here, including the Europa League. Uh, scores again. Misses a few chances as well. You can see that he's getting back uh, to his old ways. 
and then Papu Gomez, we see him get back into his old ways. So now we're all sorts of pumped. I mean, I got my shirt off. I'm sweating. Uh, and then Bonaventura comes in the 61st minute uh, to to bring meat on ahead. And you just think, oh, it's that kind of year for Atalanta. They cannot get anything going. Uh, they just been going down and down after uh, ironically beating or tying Roma with their B team. Uh, and that was the start of Roma's demise. But anyways, Rigoni in the 90th plus one minute. Are you kidding me? To get the tie? <laughs> That's amazing. And it was a packed stadium, too. So good for Atalanta, at least, uh, you know, getting a, a solid point there. And hopefully they're able to start uh, turning things around because they've had a tough season. Even their coach has been out for blasphemy. Uh, so come on. Let's get it together, Atalanta. Uh, everybody's favorite team, um, especially from last couple seasons. Milan, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just worried that they're, they're kind of spoiling uh, uh, Iguain so far. I mean, Iguain has, has come, has advertised. Like you said, Bags, the second one, had that uh, Cutrone, that pass to the sister Cutrone, which uh, uh, sealed their victory over Roma at the death. I swore to myself I would never say at the death. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they've, kind of, they've kind of squandered him so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, but again, he's getting back to his old goal-scoring ways. And uh, I'll just say this. I just looked at this the table. Uh, Milan and Roma, five points. And I know it's really early in the season, but can we just say that Juventus has 15 points already? <laughs> oh, my God, man. This makes oh, you want to yak. Yep, it's over. Yeah, I hate to say it, but uh, I would say the Scudetto is theirs. I that- don't think – well, I think Napoli fans will still, will still fight you on that one. But I, I can safely say that, uh, you know, barring uh, uh, the measles sweeping through the Juventus uh, uh, locker room, I don't think that uh, Roma or, uh, I guess, barring a combination of the measles sweeping through Juventus' locker room and uh, them legalizing steroids for only Milan and Roma, I don't think that either of those teams, two teams are going to catch them. Maybe our other hope is uh, maybe they just all get caught with blasphemy for a couple of weeks and get multi, multi-game bans. Maybe that would help out the league. We'll see. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't get is like you, <laughs> Gasparini can get a lip-reading ban for saying Porco Dio, um, but you can actually say a racial slur uh, uh, or at least heavily insinuate it like Ratlitch for OTFR, and the ban is the same. Yeah. So I guess we're going to end on a sour note there with uh, um, uh, bans being discussed, but um, it's been a tough week for Roma, guys. Fortunately, it's a short week. We've got midweek games uh, this week, so uh, Roma takes on Frozenone, I saw, and then the big derby this weekend. But anything else, guys, for the good of the order while we head into week six and week seven? Well, since we ended with Milan, just a shout-out to Milan Club Philly. It looks like they got an awesome trend lined up uh, to go to Milan to catch a game um, and hang out at Casa Milan. And generally uh, 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 do all the fun things that we like to do every year for the Roma Club uh, uh, Derby trip. Uh, pump for them to be able to, to live that experience themselves. And hopefully we can buy Suso from them in January. Yep, very excited for them. We encourage all fans to, uh, uh, if you can make it over to Italy, it's a great experience. Uh, very happy for Milan Club Philly to be organizing that. All right, guys, we'll be back after week six and week seven are in the books. Until then, ragazzi, we say. Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao, 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 ciao.